episode 176 of the Cricket Hair Weekly. Well done, Sid. I think that should be our new introduction. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on to the cricket. The 100, it started, there's been rain, unfortunately, um, affecting initially um, predominantly the women's competition, although the men's has now been affected. So um, we have had, we're meant to have had five games in the women's hundred at the time of recording, but we've actually only had three because two of them were washed out without a ball bowled, um, which was a bit of a shame. So um, we have actually only been to one hundred match live, which was um, on Friday. It was Southern Brave v Welsh Fire at the Aegeus Bowl, and it had a little bit of a surprise result, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Sid, are you in mourning for your Southern Brave? No, because it was a good game. Okay. Fair enough. Anyway, we'll come to that in a minute. But I thought maybe we could start, Sid, by talking a little bit about the coverage of the hundreds. Um, we're only a few games in this year, um, and we have actually talked about kind of coverage of the hundred on the Cricket Her Weekly before. I think even in the first year we were quite critical of it. But it's obviously very much been in the news this week, and that's because of an incident that happened um, after the 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 opening match um which was the southern brave game against the trent rockets um at, at nottingham um which which brave won um and the presenter for the bbc one of their presenters chris hughes um was interviewing maitland brown um and just just explaining this just in case anyone's been living under a rock and isn't aware of what's happened and um, he was interviewing her and she was talking about team bonding and she said we've all been out to see um the the new movie barbie and he said, oh, you're a little Barbie yourself, aren't you? With your blonde hair and your blue eyes. And then when she sort of giggled and, and like looked a bit embarrassed, he said, oh, you're blushing now. Anyway, he's been giving a telling off um, by the BBC, but it has been very much in the news this week, Sid. Um, so what do you make of it all? <laughs> well, I just think it's kind of, it's sort of partly just symptomatic of the, you know, the BBC's really dumbed down coverage. In fact, we weren't watching at the time. We didn't become aware of this until like um, sort of 14 hours later, a friend messaged, messaged on Twitter and said, have you seen about this? And then I, was, I looked it up um, because we've been watching Sky's coverage because, I mean, Sky's coverage in some ways also hasn't been issues with that, as we'll come to, yeah. but it hasn't been as dumbed down as the BBC's one. But this really did feel like the ultimate the ultimate dumbing down. I suppose one thing on the other side, really, that, that, I, that I sort of feel, it's, it's a bit of a difficult one to say, but let, let's say it, is I actually feel slightly sorry for the presenter because, you know, he's a, he's a former Love Island contestant. That's what he's known for. He's known for, you know, sort of slightly sleazy banter. And he must have actually been sitting there thinking, well, what was going on here? Surely that's yeah. why you hired me. Just on that, I would also add that, um, again, totally not, not my scene, don't agree with it at all. But if you were on if you were on Love Island as a male contestant and you said to one of the women contestants, oh, you're a little Barbie, they would almost certainly take it as a compliment. Um, so taking someone out of that world, which, as you say, is very much kind of um, about attractiveness and about your physical appearances and then launching them into coverage which is meant to be about professional sport because that's the problem is focusing on somebody's appearance when you're meant to be talking about professional sport then that's the, that's the transition that you're, you're trying to force somebody to make yeah and i just you know i, I just think that that the, the producers themselves are actually really the ones that need to take some responsibility for this and of course they have and the producers have just been able to go oh well we gave them a jolly good telling off yeah. and we've <laughs> but it's like well you hired this guy yeah. and you must that that was why you hired him you hired him because he was a love island contestant you didn't hire him 
because he he's a professional sports journalist yeah. or knows very much about cricket. Yeah. So, you know, I just think that the, in some ways it's like another case of the wrong people taking responsibility for it. And it's like, you made these choices. You made the choices to create dumbed down coverage. And then you're complaining about the results of that when someone that you hire does something that's dumbed down. And again, that's not excusing what he did, no. but that's saying that the wrong people are taking, uh, or the, the, the people that should be taking responsibility for this aren't. Yeah, no, I do agree with that. I think in some ways, and this relates to the Sky coverage a little bit as well, is we've still got a bit of a philosophical divide or a kind of, um, people are uncertain about how we should be covering the 100, um, especially on the TV, because the whole idea of the competition is meant to be you're reaching out to a new audience. Now, we were actually in the crowd for the first bit of the, the game um, at the Aegeus Bowl yesterday um, and watching like before the match started and they do all of these introductory little videos don't they about oh um, this is what extras are and this is what a noble is and this is what a wide is so that you're trying to explain it to people who might never have seen cricket before um, so on the one hand you've got that element of the coverage is trying to reach people who might go oh I'm not interested in cricket but I think um, you know oh I, I'm interested in Love Island so I'll watch the hundred. <laughs> um, there's definitely an element of that isn't there going on but then there's also an element of actually we want the coverage to be serious and we want Maitland Brown to be talking about her cricket and her on-field performances rather than having to engage with strange as banter is the right word about but being a Barbie or going to watch the Barbie movie even um, because people somehow perceive that to be more interesting than actually saying this is how I bowl the ball, this is how I hit the ball kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I think that there's, there's a bit of strange um, kind of incongruity going on between some of the attempts to do more serious coverage and some of the attempts to do more light-hearted coverage and they haven't quite worked out how to marry the two yet. Yeah. Now, the, the Sky's coverage as well. Now, we've also had issues about that. So we've been watching the, the games that we haven't been to live on Sky's coverage, which has also been available for free on YouTube, uh, which is a, you know, remains a big positive for the women's game. Yeah. All those women's games up until we believe all the women's group games are going to be basically available for free on YouTube. Um, but, you know, we were a bit disappointed with Sky's coverage as well, mm -hmm. weren't we, Raf? Because, you know, there seemed to be um, a lot of ignorance about the women's game yeah, from definitely. certain male presenters. Yeah. Male presenters that clearly had had very little engagement with women's cricket, um, you know, hadn't read their brief, didn't really know what they were talking about. So we had an example of someone, I'm not going to name names. but oh, weren't you? Well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's fair, maybe it's unfair, well, but I don't want to name names. These, we know these people are being paid a lot of money, so... But we had an example of someone that was, that was saying, oh, you just don't see many sweeps and laps in the women's game. And I'm like, well, that's because you've only ever watched highlights of the women's game, which has showed Danny White boshing it out of the ground. There's be plenty of sweeps and laps. Yeah. You know, and... That, that kind or maybe of they watched a, a World Cup final fifteen years ago or something. Yeah, so there's there's yeah. a, there's a lot of lo a lot of ignorance about about yeah. the players themselves. There's a Definitely. lot of mispronunciation still of players' names, and yeah. and um, you know commentators just you know the, the the people on Sky give them big briefs. You know, the Sky pay a lot of money to Crickviz or or whoever it is. It's one of the Crickviz type companies. I don't know which one it is, so it could be Opta. Um, but they pay a lot of money, and they get these huge huge briefs full of stats Stat and stuff hats. about about the yeah. about the women's game. Yeah. Interestingly enough. We observed yesterday that Stuart Broad had read his. Now, yeah. apparently he's a bit of a stats geek. I didn't know this, but someone no, in the press box was saying this. We could um, hear a bit of the commentary while we were at the ground, couldn't we, from yeah. Sky. And I actually th thought he was quite impressive. He was sort of saying, oh, you know, don't bowl there to Hayley Matthews because she's very offside dominant. And it was like, 
yeah, that's that's actually right. Um, I, I was a bit surprised um, because that did actually, to some extent, contrast with, I'm afraid, with um, Stuart Broad's kind of erstwhile bowling partner, Jimmy Anderson on Sky, who's obviously been brought in because um, he's, you know, at the end of it, or coming towards the end of his career and going, oh, shall I do a commentary gig? Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? Jobs for the boys type thing. And that's the frustrating thing about it, because it's like people are being give, give, given gigs on the strength of their kind of um, having had great careers. Or the strength of their cricket. performances yeah. in men's cricket. And that, that, that's and not that... fair when there's so many people who know so much about the women's side who could be doing such a better job. And I don't really, I don't, wouldn't have a problem with them going, look, we're going to hire different commentators to hire, to talk about the women's side. I think we even said this two years ago, just hire different commentators, get people who know about women's cricket to talk about the women's stuff. And then the men's people who want to be um, hired and, you know, want to talk about it, can then talk about the men's stuff. Now, what that would mean is that people like Kuma Sangakara and James Anderson have to take a pay cut because they're doing 50% of the work and 50% of that money should then be going to the female commentators. I suspect if you pitched it to them like that, they wouldn't be too happy. But on the other hand, maybe actually do a bit of prep. And, you know, one of the other frustrating thing was the thing about, oh, um, they've only bowled Izzy Wong for one set or something. Oh, that's well, really kept, strange. It's like, she hasn't bowled for England this season and she's been coming on a second change for her or first change for her regional team. So you've clearly not engaged at all. All you've done is read one article last year with her in the Telegraph where she talked about being brilliant. Like... Um, so you you haven't been watching the stuff that's literally just happened like a week ago. Yeah, and if if, if Tammy Beaumont went on the, on the commentary for the men's game and showed the ignorance of the men's game that these people showed at the yeah. women's game, that would be the last time Tammy Beaumont Absolutely. did this commentary. Absolutely. It's and, so <laughs> frustrating, isn't so it? It's such a massive standard. double standard. Um, in order to be a female commentator, you have to do five times the prep, be ten times as good... Um, and, you know, and probably be paid, let's be honest, like a third as much. And it's just oh, not fair. Much <laughs> well, yeah, anyway, very frustrating. And, you know, if anybody is watching this um, who is in some kind of a powerful position, then... You know, Raph is available for comedy. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> there, are, there are plenty of, like, really good female commentators out there who aren't me. Um, this is really definitely not about touting for work in the slightest, um, but it is just about listening and being frustrated um, that people aren't, you know, aren't preparing to do their jobs properly. It's yeah. just crap. Anyway, okay, that's the um, that's the coverage side of things. Did you want to talk about Jared Kimber's video, which kind of sparked off some of this conversation as well, Sid? Because um, there's a we might put a link to it in the show notes. Um, not, not that he needs our publicity, <laughs> um, but it's really interesting. Um, one of his YouTube videos that he did this week about how England cricket needs to change, um, in the, particularly in the wake of the ICEC report. Um, and, and one of the things he talks about is the, the media coverage, isn't it? Yeah, and he just talks about the, kind of the, the fact that there's basically this sort of closed, cosy relationship yeah. between Sky and the ECB, and they never really seriously negotiate their contracts. It always feels like they, they close the deal really early and, you know, have a handshake and then go off and play a round of golf. And, um, you know, the... <laughs> At the Aegeus. It's a nice golf course, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm told it is. I know nothing about golf. Um, but it, it, what, what Jared is saying is that, you know, we need, we need to kind of bring in, you know, some different voices yeah. and some different perspectives. Yeah. And that cosy relationship between Sky and their, you know, mostly, you know, male ex-player commentator yeah. kind of set... Um, 
are is is part of the kind of the uh, the overall problem with the with the game in England, and it's all of a parcel with the stuff talked mm. about in the Independent mm. Commission report. Okay, interesting. So do give that a watch if you haven't already. Um, let's talk about the cricket though, Sid, because that's obviously what we're here for, partly. <laughs> um, so yeah, bit of a shocker in that Welsh Fiery Southern Brave game, um, because that has put, after three completed games, that has actually put Welsh Fire at the top of the table. <gasps> <laughs> okay, but it is a, a big um, kind of turnaround from last year where they were very much bringing up the rear. Did they actually win a game last season? They did win one game. Okay, they? all right. Well, well done. Um, anyway. They got on two points last So season. obviously, um, one of the reasons um, for bringing in a kind of semi-draft for the Women's 100 was to try and um, actually change some of those, um, some of the, the fortunes. Balance things out a bit yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. So does this mean that the draft has worked, Sid? Well, you know, in the immortal words of Chairman Mao, as, oh as I, I love to quote him on a Sunday morning. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's too early to tell. Um, I think that, but it is an interesting question. I think that the, the you know the draft has had an impact, and it's yeah. obviously you know switched things up a bit. I think there are some some negatives there as well. It feels to me like the perception you know coming into this year more than ever is that these are kind of kind of fake plastic teams, if you like. That the, the teams don't really matter. It's just you know you, you bung a bung a shirt on someone in the same way that you bung a different outfit on your Barbie. That's a topical reference there. <laughs> um, oh dear. <laughs> And so you bung a shirt on them, and you know, but that doesn't, you know, the, the teams themselves, the colour of the shirt doesn't really matter in, yeah. in an extent. I mean, there, I mean, there were a lot of green shirts at the Aegeus Bowl last night. That's but, true, they were. But I got the impression that they weren't generally people who were going to be going home crying in the way that I, you sometimes, you know, after a big defeat at Arsenal, you see people filing out of the yeah. stadium, you know, looking really depressed. It's, and it's some a of them tough were... one, isn't it? Because so, um, it was really interesting when we presented our research into the hundreds um, earlier this year to the ECB. And one of the things that they really kind of wanted to know the answer to um, was about how you develop or how you build the relationship between fans and, and their teams and how you strengthen that relationship and how you do it quite quickly with new teams. Um, and that really wasn't something particularly that our research addressed other than to say that what we felt came out of the focus groups was that there wasn't that deep seated attachment to these new teams. And that's yeah. kind of what you would and expect. And the, the, the draft that actually makes this worse yeah. because it's a, like, like a lot of new faces. So you've got like, I mean, Welsh Fire had like, you know, sort of five or six debutants yeah. yeah. in, in inverted commas. And, you know, you, it's you, a totally you're never new quite team. sure, you know, what's what this... And it's, it affects the, the ability of the media to kind of build narratives yeah, around the team, doesn't it? I think it that have? does make it really difficult, actually, because um, I think that one of the frustrations at times for the ECB is that journalists aren't covering the 100 in the same way that they cover other tournaments. Um, so you don't get somebody turning up to every match um, and actually following one team, for example. But if you don't have those kind of... Um, those carryovers between seasons or those continuities, it makes it hard, it makes it really tough as a journalist to craft those narratives. So, you know, if I, let's say like Freya Davies comes out and takes a fiver for Welsh Fire, I, you know, and I'm doing a post-match interview with her, I say, oh, well, it's great that the Welsh Fire have turned their fortunes around. How does this compare with last year? I don't know. I was at London Spirit. Um, and so it's hard to craft those um, kind of continuity slash change narratives I think um, and you you know or you 
it, it just it just becomes tricky because like you say everything's changing all the time there's no sense of um a kind of history of there's no sense fire. of stability yeah it? and you yeah. need that a bit so i think what we're saying is that, that you know if anyone the ecb is listening if you've got thoughts of extending the draft even further next well, year which we think they have and and you know dra- um you know drafting far more players or redrafting yeah. everybody yeah redrafting everyone that you draft this year i'm not convinced that that's the right way to go no. because if, if what you're trying to do is build loyalty towards teams then that does affect that but on the other side of that coin is you know it has you know brought different players into welsh fire yeah. you know and you know they've had a good game they but they have had a good game and yeah. everything clicked for them right and it was all yeah. about that second phase really where so between balls 25 and 50 where they just accelerated massively they were going at a strike rate of nearly 250 laura harris came in and hit 20 runs off 10 balls um, but the other things around that yeah. were that Hayley Matthews clicked and she got 60-odd, you know, at a decent strike rate. Tammy Beaumont clicked at the top of the order. But it was interesting that once those three were gone, then things dropped off. Just yeah. the, you, you, can, you can see it in the charts, you know, they're up here and then they're dropped, dropping mm-hmm. right down. Um, you know, George Elwes did come, come back at the end um, and, you know, she, she hit a few runs in the final set, you know, and got them just those few more runs that actually it turned out yeah. they really needed. But it was really all about that second phase. And you still have that concern that fire's batting. Once you get down to four, it's not quite, it's a bit unfair. It will be unfair to say that you're into the tail at four. But you're at the point where you've got George Elwes, for instance, and Emily Windsor both batting higher in the order at Welsh Fire than they do for the Vipers. And that suggests that, you know, that, you, that they're, but they're solid players, but they're solid runner ball players. They're not players that are going to, you know, ever strike at two. I think you're just trying to detract attention from the poor performance in Southern Brave. Maybe. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> no, I'm um, so anyway. Okay, so yeah, and the, the end of the game was kind of interesting. I thought as well. I want to talk a little bit about the end of the game because mm-hmm. I, I want a question for you. Now, how, how do you feel about that kind of that, the, that final ball? Perhaps we should again for the viewers that weren't watching that. You know what happened on that final ball? How do we feel about that? And what does that tell us? Well, it was a really exciting close game because it did come down to the final ball. Um, yeah, Brave could have won off yeah, the final ball in order to win. Brave needed five of the final ball. Um, so actually they needed, um, Smriti was on strike, they needed her to hit a six, essentially. Um, so what happened is um, Hayley Matthews is bowling the ball um, and Smriti tries to make contact. She does make a bit of contact, but it's, it's going along the ground. It's not going to go for six. Straight to a fielder in the um, ring. Yeah. And so, oh, I think, was it in the ring or did it, did it get past the ring? Anyway, there was, de- there was a single there. So Freya Kemp comes out of her ground to run the single and Smriti just turns around and walks off. It was really, really strange. And I don't think I've seen anything like that before um, for, for all the years I've been watching um, women's cricket, both even at kind of amateur county days. Um, I, I don't think I've seen anything quite like that where a player before the umpires called the game has just decided it's over and walked off. And I was really uncomfortable with it. Um, because it just felt very kind of like really poor level of professionalism. You never know what's going to happen. You've got to wait until the umpires call the game. Example, last year in that Sunrisers game, uh, I can't even remember who they were playing, but Maddie Villiers picked up the ball to throw it in and they get four overthrows um, and the opposition win. So who knows whether that could have happened yesterday? We don't know. Um, so you've got to run, you've got to, and then effectively what happens is that Freya Kemp is then run out because she's trying to keep her eye on the game and go, oh, we've got to at least, at least do a run and at yeah. least kind of, you know, conform, to the, conform to, the to the kind of the way in which you play cricket. 
um, just in case something happens. Or what if it had been ruled a no ball, that last ball? So um, it was a bit, it was a bit odd, it was a bit off, um, and it felt a little bit like, um, I, don't, I don't know whether we should say this, we're probably gonna get some comeback from some Indian viewers, but there's been this kind of, um, almost this sense recently in the India v Bangladesh series that there was some quite poor uh, models behaviour by Captain Harman Precourt about the levels of professionalism um, that you would expect to see. And let's hope that isn't rubbing off because Smriti Mandana is somebody who is usually very calm, composed, and very professional. At yeah, in terms times. of that Indian leadership team, yeah. you know, she she's the ice and Harman Preet's the fire. Well, but ice in a kind of in a calm way rather than in a sort of nasty way, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like yeah, very calm, cool, and collected. So it was a bit out of character. I do think that she very much blamed herself for the defeat. Um, and of course, there's an argument that if she'd um, you know battered at a bit of a higher strike rate a bit earlier on, then Southern Braves sh should have won. And it did look for a long time when um, she and Wyatt were batting together like Brave were going to get over the line quite easily. I thought, um, but obviously didn't happen. Um, now I personally think somebody like Chloe Tryon's got to take a bit of responsibility for what happened because it what was well strange, Chloe Tryon hit, hit eight runs off ten balls and that's yeah. just that's not what that's not what you need when you need well more than a run a ball. Yeah, and what was strange was that it very much had the appearance of Chloe Tryon was just trying to get Smriti back on strike in order to hit the fours and the sixes that they needed at that point I and mean, you go well you that's not your role in the team like you're, you're batting at well she's batting at four or something you've been you've been bought in the draft by Charlotte Edwards because of your firepower and actually in a way um you know should they would have done better to hold on to George Railwitz um who's gonna be a bit calmer and actually hit you um at a runner ball rather than just going, oh, I'm not really feeling the six hitting today, so I'm just going to leave it to my partner at the other end. That's not what she was there for. So I think she's got to take a bit of responsibility rather than just it all being on Smriti's shoulders, personally. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's a team game. Ooh. Thanks for that, Sid. That's a very profound note to it's end on. The kind of, that's the kind of insight that... <laughs> anyway, we're about to go and watch the, the next match in the 100, um, and we're recording this a day earlier than usual because we're off on holiday. For a few days don't worry we'll be we'll keeping, be keeping, we'll be keeping an eye on things <laughs> and um, probably we'll still... be watching you all <laughs> i'm probably still doing some charting and things you know we when we go on holiday we we don't really escape from cricket do we Sid? <laughs> why would you want to exactly good point anyway keep enjoying the hundred um let's hope that the coverage of the women's stuff gets a bit better fingers crossed and see you next week bye for now bye